Today we're jumping back into a series that we kicked off a couple weeks ago. Uh, this summer we're walking through several different parables found in the different gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus, he would preach these different short form stories that are known as parables that always have a spiritual principle applied to them that if we really take the time to lean in and, and learn from them, we can get a little bit better and apply them into our own lives and walks. And last week, Pastor Josh Carter gave a great word on the Good Samaritan. Amen? Yeah. That was a fire word. Amen? We honor you, Pastor Josh, and um, grateful for that. Just seeing Jesus as the, the true Good Samaritan, right? We're the needy ones that are in desperate need of his grace and his pro uh, vision. And praise God that we have it here today. And today I want to turn our attention to a, a parable that I, I was familiar with, but I hadn't spent a ton of time learning from, really digesting. And today we want to go ahead and learn from it together. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19 as we uncover this parable that is featuring what's called the 10 minas, uh, the 10 minas there in the scripture. And so Luke chapter 19, I want to encourage you to flip there, get there, scroll there, log on there. If you need a Bible, put your hand in the air like you just do care, and uh, we'll walk you one down. Amen? Does anybody need a Bible? All right, all right, good, good, good. Luke chapter 19, we got it for you on the screen. Uh, when you get there, say, I'm there. there. All right, two of y'all, let's go. How about this side? If you're there, say, I'm there. there. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat, Father, as we eat from your word right now, Lord, we know that we don't live off bread alone. We need a word from your word. So God, for the next several minutes, give us the grace of concentration. Holy Spirit, open our minds. Come on, pray that with me. Just say, Lord, open my mind. Speak to me now. Speak to my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you there? Verse 11, Luke chapter 19 quick setting. Jesus had just spent some time with this cat named Zacchaeus, and uh, Zacchaeus was known for his sinful reputation. He was a tax collector. He went and looked at Jesus up in the tree, and then Jesus looked up at him and said, I want to stay at your house, which shocked everybody. Come on, Jesus spends time with sinners, amen? amen. And he changes us, doesn't he, from the inside out? He, he did that uh, for Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus left a, a changed Man, it's such a powerful story uh, seeing that come alive. And uh, I want us to go ahead and look right now in verse 11. At, right after that moment with Zacchaeus, Jesus tells this parable. Here we go. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business." The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, 
and you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? Y'all still with me? Yeah. Verse 24. And he said to those who, who stood by, take, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to the Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that Everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for the enemies of mine who, who did not want me to, to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Somebody say, wow. A deep finish to this passage. Jesus is downloading this parable here uh, for all of us to eat from today. And really, I'm just going to give the disclaimer alert up front. It's going to be a little bit challenging, all right? This is going to be a message kind of how we do here at Walk Church, right? We believe everybody has a next step. So I'm less interested in us coming to church and saying, hey, you know what? That was pretty good or that was pretty bad. I'm more interested in you saying, here's what I'm going to do about it. God gave me something to walk out. And I have to uh, take a step, all right? And so that's what we see here in this passage, that, that Jesus has given us this parable, and he's talking about business, he's talking about stewardship, he's talking about the kingdom of God. Let's just go ahead and look at verse 11 up front so that you can catch this. The setting is important. As they heard these things, right, Jesus in his moment with Zacchaeus and how Zacchaeus has been transformed and changed, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Now, here's a couple things that's happening up front, right? Jesus is near to Jerusalem. At Luke chapter 19, he's already done a lot. If you read the gospel of Luke, he's already been healing people. He's been saving people. He's been changing people. He's been preaching. He's been doing left and right miracles all over the place, preaching about the kingdom of God. And now he's approaching Jerusalem, so people are thinking, I think we know what he's about to do. He's about to take over Herod. He's about to take over Caesar. He's going to pull out a big sword, and he's going to bring the kingdom right here to Israel, and he's going to take over. That's what there was a lot of assumption maybe happening. Jesus, who knows our hearts, amen, he knows what the chatter is. And so Jesus saying, okay, I suppose that this is what they suppose. I got a message for them. And he's talking about the kingdom of God. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. So here you see this kingdom talk up front. I think it's important to understand when Jesus is talking about the kingdom, to see the kingdom of God through a lens that is twofold. Everybody say twofold. twofold. Here's what it means. I'll put it up as a reality statement. All right. When we talk about the kingdom of God in the Bible, the kingdom of God is both right here, but not yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I, and I understand if you're like, no, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, sometimes uh, you just got to trust that God knows what he's doing 
through both, right? Here's what it means. It's right here because Jesus carries the kingdom, amen? Jesus is the king of the kingdom, and we see that on display throughout his life. And so he says, right in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, if you know this verse, it's the first sermon Jesus ever preached. Here's what he says. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In other words, turn from your ways and put your faith in Christ. But here's what he says. The kingdom of God's at hand. So in one sense, the kingdom of God is right now. Why? Because Jesus is right now. Amen? Amen. Right? He brings the kingdom into your lives, and he takes us from our old citizenship into a kingdom citizenship, and he's the king of our kingdom. But yet at the same time, we know that we're, we're going to a greater kingdom. So the kingdom of God is still to come. It's not here on earth completely like we'll once experience it someday in the future. The kingdom of God is here, but it's also not yet. So the more we seek kingdom here, we, we bring the kingdom down to earth. Amen? Yeah. Right? Isn't that what Jesus prayed? Yeah. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is it? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're kingdom citizens bringing the kingdom into our cities. And so a church should not just be about a dope Sunday event. A church should be about a transformed city if you're living out the kingdom, right? right? Kingdom individuals doing kingdom things all over the, the place. So Jesus is talking about the, this parable. He says, the people go, ah, we perceive Jesus is about to take over the kingdom. And so Jesus is saying, but you're missing it. Because before Jesus does something physically for you, he, he wants to do something inwardly in you right? Pastor Josh even talked about that last week, right? That, that the idea that Jesus, in other words, this, if Jesus shows up in Jerusalem, he pulls out a sword, he puts on a crown, and he says, I'm taking over the kingship and I'm God, right? That doesn't all, that, that's not going to do the transforming, saving work that our hearts still desperately need. So Jesus knows before I take over my kingship physically, even though I'm always the king, I need to transform sinners' hearts, and so Jesus is going up to Jerusalem not to take over his kingship. He's going up to Jerusalem to pay for our sins. The people didn't understand the fullness of that. So, so Jesus' ways sometimes look different than our ways, amen? Like this is all just intro. Hopefully this is making sense a little bit. I want, to, I want you to see it. Um, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Maybe you've read these verses before. The Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God's way may look different than your way. Can I tell you that's okay? Amen. No, my bad. Can I tell you that's a good thing? Yeah. Like, let me just go ahead and confess. I'm so glad that God's ways are not Hayden's ways. Like, sometimes I may get it right, but not all the time. He always does. Like, I'm grateful that his ways are not our ways. And so here the people are saying, Jesus, come take over the kingdom. And Jesus goes, my ways are not your ways. What's he saying? He's saying, my ways are better. What I want to encourage you with here today is you can trust your plan with his. And you can trust that his plan is always going to be better, greater for you. And so even when it doesn't make sense, brothers and sisters, trust his ways Trust his thoughts. You know, I was actually preaching this past week to a bunch of athletes, and I was talking about how sometimes Jesus even calls us in storms. Amen? 
Like there's this moment in Matthew 14 where Jesus is with the disciples. They just fed the 5,000. And what does Jesus do? He says, here, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to get in this boat and I want you to cross this sea. I want you to go to the other side. And around midnight, they get into this boat. They start crossing the sea. And what do they do? They go right into a massive storm. What I realized is they did everything that the Lord called them to do and still ended up in a storm. In other words, you could be perfectly following God's will right into a storm. Listen to me. Storms are not evidence that God's not with you. Storms are invitations to call him to be with you. Storms are there for you to say, okay, God, I need you. And so storms can actually be the very thing that is helping you become the person that you need to be. In other words, it's okay that his ways are not your ways. His ways are better. That's something he's declaring in this text. He says, you guys are thinking one way. Jesus says, I'm thinking another way. And then he proceeds to tell us the parable of the meanness. One more time, if you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, so here we go. Verse 13 says, Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. It's an interesting passage. I was just reading this over and over again, trying to get my heart around it. Because what, what's a parable? A parable is a short form story designed to illustrate a spiritual point, right? It, it's there to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson, right? It, it's sometimes fictitious, but not always fictitious. And it's there to illustrate a moral attitude. It's trying to drive home a kingdom principle for us. What's the kingdom like? Jesus says, I'm about to show you. I'm gonna give you this parable. Verse 13, he calls 10 of his servants. So I want you to use your imagination. Can we do it? Yeah. Imagine a King, ruler, boss, employer, leader named Jesus. And he decides to hire 10 servants to do an assignment. And here's what he does. He takes 10 of his employees and he gives each one of them 10 minas. He gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. Now, now what's a mina? Uh, that's a good question. I just was texting my friend, Chef Michael Mina. I was like, hey, Chef, I'm preaching about you. Um, but this is not Chef. This is the Minas in the Bible. Here's what a Mina is. A Mina is when an employer pays an employee a three-month salary up front. So somebody's like, yo, Jesus is a good boss, right? Amen. A Mina was about three months pay for a laborer. So Jesus says, all right, 10 servants I'm going to give you a mina. I'm going to give you a mina. I'm going to give you a mina. He gives all 10 a mina. And he says, here's your three months pay up front. Here's your three months pay up front. Here's your three months pay up front. And Jesus does this to illustrate a kingdom principle. And here's what he says. In verse 13, he makes it really clear. He says, here's your assignment. Engage in business until I come. Anybody catch it? Yeah. Or y'all just processing it? Making sense? Jesus gives us all resources, us. Amen. He gives all of us our own version of minas right. financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally, gifts with our hands, dreams with our imagination, resources that certain things that you can do that nobody else can do. God has put things in you, it's your version of minas. And here's what He wants you to do He wants you to engage in the business. Until he comes back. 
Here's my first point of the sermon. Jesus expects us to engage in kingdom business. All right? Listen, Jesus expects you to do it. Jesus calls you. If you were to tell me, hey, Pastor Hyden, God's got a calling on my life. It's called chilling. I'd be like, you heard the wrong call. Some, that was spam, right? That was, that was no caller ID. That wasn't him. And some of us think that we are called to the ministry of chilling. And listen, you're called to the ministry of kingdom business. No, kingdom business. B-I-D-N-E-S. Come on. Kingdom business. All right? That's what we're calling it. Look, Jesus says, here's the parable of the minas. I'm giving each one of you guys a mina. Now, what should we do with it, Lord? Get, in the, get engaged. What does the word engage mean? Do something with it. Make a difference. Make it happen. Double down on it. Multiply it. Grow it. Invest it. Do something with it. Engage in the kingdom. All of us have been given an assignment. I once heard it put by a pastor named David Platt. He said, Jesus didn't save you to sideline you. I love that right there. He saved you right to send you. He, he saved you that you would get engaged. He saved you to get in on the business. So, so look, hey, if you take seven days, let me just tell you something. Take one of those days and take a Sabbath. Take a 24-hour moment to do something that fills your cup, to do something that's opposite of work for you, whatever, whatever is life-giving for you, whatever is, is joy-filling in you, right? Make, if you're one of those cats that are like, man, 24 hours a day, 24-7, seven, seven days a week, 365, I'll sleep when I die, you're an idiot, all right? <laughs> I'm just going to put it like, just be straight up, yeah, I called you out, yeah. right? You, you're going to be miserable, you're going to be cranky, and you're not going to do much. You're going to be tired, and you're going to be frustrated, all right? We all need to take a day to rest, just want to put that out there, all right? Take a day, and I love what Chris Hodges says. Don't take a day just because you had a hard week. Take a day because you're getting ready for the next week, right? Like God may want to do something great in this next week that you might just need a day to just charge up to get ready for what God's going to do. The Sabbath, right, is made to bless you. But listen, your whole week can't be a Sabbath. That's called laziness. And some of y'all are too lazy, some of, here's what I mean. Some of you know you got gifts, know you're skilled, know you're good with kids, know you got finances, know you got a dream in your heart, know you got a, a something. You, you, some of you are like, hey, you know what? I could really help this church. I could. I won't. Right? And Jesus is saying, what are you doing with your minas? Or maybe you're like, you know, I, I know I could help my neighborhood or I, I know I could make a difference at my school. I know that I could do something. God's given me the skills. My question is, what are, you, what are you doing with it? Jesus has an expectation that you're, you're working the gifts that he has given you. One of my favorite examples of this, maybe you are familiar, right? David and Goliath. Goliath's talking all his stuff. David recognizes he's a young shepherd boy, but what does he say? Look, I've really been practicing my slingshot. I know y'all don't know about it, and y'all think I need a big sword. I don't need a big sword. I'm a beast with the slingshot. I need five little pebbles. Let me come, come, come over here to the, to the river, right? But David goes, I got a gift. I just got to bring it. 
I just got to work the gift that God's given me. I got to use my meanness. Let's look at the, what happens next in the parable. Verse uh, uh, 15, I think, is important to see. Verse 15, when he returned, so, right, this king, this employer who gave the meanness, he returns. Having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. All right? What does this text show us? This text shows me that Jesus is watching. Jesus, listen to me, Jesus doesn't forget. If Jesus whispered to you something at age 15, he's still wanting you to do it. If Jesus said, hey, yeah, yeah, I know I put that dream in your heart, when are you going to do it? One day, he's going to come back and ask you about it. One day, he's going to say, hey, what happened? Was it a faith issue? Was it a, was it a resource issue? No, because I gave you Amina up front. I actually equipped you up front for the assignment that I had prepared for you. And yet, did you do it? I was expecting you to do it. But not only does Jesus expect us to do it, this text shows me that Jesus inspects what we do. Point number two, Jesus inspects the kingdom work we put in. So one day Jesus will return or you'll return to him. And have a conversation about what you did with the gifts he gave you. How did you steward them? This conversation is less about salvation. That's not what we're talking about. This isn't Jesus plus you doing good works. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals enough. Amen? Yeah. We're not earning salvation. But, it's, it, it, but did your life count? <laughs> did you make the most with the breath he gave you? With the meanness he put in your belt, in your pocket, in your hands, brother, sister, what'd you do with them? Jesus expects us to do it, and guess what? He doesn't forget. He inspects what we, what we do. So what does he do right here, right? He, he comes back someday in the parable. He starts inspecting. He, he puts three different people who he gave meanness to in front of him. First one, he says, hey, what'd you do? What'd you bring? I gave you Amina. I remember you. I know your name. Let me see what you did. And this first cat goes, look, check this out. I took this one Mina. Now I got 10 of them. That bro was making some money, amen? He was making a difference. He started a business. He, start, he, he, started, a, he started a YouTube channel. I, he, he, started a, he started a company. He started a church. He said, look, I got, you, get, you left me with this. I took it. I prayed over it. I maximized it. And now, look at all this fruit. He goes, he go, and you know, what, is, what does Jesus say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, my goodness. He goes, to the, he goes to the next one, right? He goes to the next one, and this guy goes, well, look, that dude's a beast. Like, he took that one. He got 10. I got five, right? I, I cut it in half, but at least it's better than one. I got five. And Jesus goes, Man, well done, my good and faithful servant. In fact, what Jesus says, I think, is really powerful. He doesn't just say what, he gives them something. Look at verse 17. If we can look at verse 17 up here on the screen. Verse 17 talks about how Jesus says, he said to them, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. 
Jesus goes, look, you took my one mina and you turned it into 10. I'm going to give you 10 cities. One guy goes, yo, I took your one mina. I turned it into five minas. Jesus goes, I'll give you five cities. But finally, you get to this last cat, right? And what does he say? He goes, um, so, you know, what, yeah, what happened was I, like, took the one you gave me, and I, like, put it in, like, a handkerchief, you know what I'm saying? I kept that. I got it all. I got the three months pay. I didn't want to spend it, but I didn't want to not spend it, you know, so I just, I kept it safe, and, and the boss cuts him off and says, you wicked servant. In other words, how important is it to do the things God calls us to do? Right, oftentimes when we hear the word wicked, we think, oh, man, that person must have been doing something really wicked. Jesus goes, your laziness is wickedness. Your, your inability to trust me with your gifts, your inability to take a step by faith, your inability to get out of the boat to walk on water, to, to try to do the things that God put in your heart, Jesus himself in the parable says, that's wicked, fam. In fact, give me that one that I gave you and give it to the cat who did 10. What's Jesus showing us? He's showing us the principle of investment, the principle of stewardship. I look at this verse right here, and I'm, Japper, you said it. Call us up. I'm going to call everybody up for a second. In love, all right? Blame it on Japper. Email him, okay? I'll take it. He said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. All right, I'm going to call you up for a second. Mind you, these lights are bright enough that I see a lot of shadows. I'm not not talking to anybody. We have three different services. I don't know who's online, right? Love you online. Listen, some of you want God to bless your future work, but you don't want to trust him with it now. Look, look. You, you want the promotion, but you're not doing the work now. You want a bigger house, but you're not taking care of this house. You want a bigger car, you're not taking care of this car. You want more platform, you're not serving right now. You want God to give you more generosity, you don't tithe. God says, if you start doing the things that I've asked you to do with the minas I've given you, even the very little. Don't you think I got authority to give you more? Look, if you start trusting him today, if you catch, if you catch this principle, write it down. I'll put a reality statement on the screen. If you want God to bless your work in the future, start trusting him with it today. Brothers, you got to start trusting him with it. It's a faith thing. It's a faith thing. But I promise you this. If you say, hey, I'll just get comfortable and I'll sit on it. Jesus will inspect that. He'll ask you about it. He will ask you about it. And he'll say, that was wicked of you. God wanted to use you to do something great. And you wanted to just serve your comfort. And God says, that's not why I'm keeping your lungs beating, your heart beating. I'm I'm, I'm doing things. I want to use you. I want to use your singing. I want to use your writing. I want to use your sports. I was talking to some of the professional athletes. I was like, yo, y'all don't need to stop what you're doing to become an ordained minister. Do your ministry on the field. Do your ministry in the locker room. 
do it on the court. I was talking to some individuals who work with ACs and, and helping with vents. Come on, we need the AC people in the summer, amen? Right. You know what I'm saying? You call somebody, yo, I need you to fix this AC. Help me, right? Those are kingdom people. Right. Don't just sit on your work. Do some work. Jesus expects us to do work, and Jesus inspects our work. If you got it, say, I got it. it. Look at verses 23 through 25. We're almost done. 23 through 25. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming, I might have collected it with interest? Come on, everybody say this word, Ruth. Come on, 1-800-CALL. There we go. Anybody remember that back in the day? Was it pay phones? What are we doing? Right? Uh, look, look, look. Jesus expects us to do kingdom work. Jesus inspects our kingdom work. Hey, third point. Jesus collects our kingdom work. Right? Jesus is like, I came here to collect the investment. And what you got to bring? If you ever get a chance, go read the story back in the beginning of Genesis. Some of the first ever children, Cain and Abel. Right? Why couldn't Cain do that? Well, because he wasn't able. <laughs> bad joke. Bad joke. <laughs> All right. C- courtesy laugh. Thank you. Uh, look, God, he, he puts this calling on Cain and Abel to bring him an offering. And Cain, what does he do? He's lazy. He'll do it later. When it's time, He gathers some sticks, he gathers some mud, he gathers some stone, he gathers some old fruit, and he says, here's my offering, God. And God says, what is this? I don't want that. What you got, Abel? Here, Abel, he's got like the lush, bright fruit. He he worked for it. He was tilling the garden. It's ripe. It's beautiful. And God says, that's the offering. I'm like, I want your best. I want you to bring me your best offering. Don't give me the leftovers. Don't give me the leftovers. Give me your best. And what is that makes Cain upset, amen? So, so much he got jealous of his brother and resulted to, to violence, right? In other words, I think that God still wants us to bring, us, bring him his, our best. So I don't know. Here's how you can do kingdom. Here's how you can seek first the kingdom. Give it your best. Will it be costly? Yes, because anything that's your best is costly, but it's worth it. Is it going to take time? Is it going to take prayer? Is it going to take getting on your knees? Is it going to take faith? Is it going to take sacrifice? Is it going to take generosity? Has anybody ever started a business? It takes all that. Anybody ever, 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 you, listen, the hardest thing in the world to do is start a church because there's so much warfare. But I felt like God gave Nina and I a, a calling in our hearts to give our 20s to church planting. It wasn't a popular decision, but it wasn't up to us. It was up to, do we trust them or not? This is our walk on water. It's not everybody's walk on. This is, this is our get out of the boat, right? I'm excited to see, right? I'm in my thirties. I'm excited to see what God has the assignment for the thirties, but maybe you're in your forties and you're like, God, what's my assignment for my forties? What's my kingdom work for my fifties? Moses, God is calling in his eighties. People are like, yo, Moses, man, what Moses... Moses, praise God, he got his calling. We, praise God, we don't judge Moses for his like before 80s. He did some great stuff after, amen? In other words, we never graduate from kingdom work. And so every year we should say, God, what do you want to do? I'm not following my will. It's your will be done. I want to do your kingdom activity. 
I want to use my minas. Right? My, my bro Smitty said, preach. My bro Smitty's doing kingdom tattoos. Pr- at the tattoo shop, praying, Lord, help me to do this tattoo precise. Help me to do kingdom stuff in this place. Right? Like my bro Jabber, right? He's a masseuse, massage therapist. Kingdom work. Right? Everybody has different kingdom work in this space. If you're doing it, or if you're sitting on it, look at the verse again real quick. We're almost done. Write the text. Uh, Jesus might ask you why. Why did you not put my money in the bank? Now my coming might have collected it with interest. He goes, at minimum, if you're going to sit on it, let it collect some interest. You just put it in a handkerchief, it's collecting dust. And check this out, verse 24. Here's what the dude responds. He said to those who stood by, uh, uh, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, uh, Lord, ha- he has 10 minas, right? What, what's interesting is the cat that hid the talent and didn't do anything with it. He says, well, you know, you are like, you're like God and you're like severe is the word he used. It's like, you're kind of severe. I didn't want to disappoint you. I, you might get mad at me. Do you know what that's called? Excuses. Yeah. Let me give you a reality statement. I'll put it up here on the screen. Reality statement. Somebody please write this down and take a screenshot of it. Somebody stop making excuses. Come on. Stop making excuses, fam. Listen, we can justify our way out of everything. Oh, you know, yeah, but, you know what I'm saying, but just stop. Just stop. People blame their kids. Oh, my kids don't really want to go to church. Stop letting your kids lead your family. Why don't you be a leader? Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's like, you know, I don't really want to wake up. Come to the 1130. Ah, uh, you know, it's just like my weeks are really long. You know, I just there's people that are opening their house for charge group. They're saying, hey, this isn't my house. This is a kingdom house. It's people that are uh, uh, making making a huge difference with their with their finances. And God says, I'll just give them more. God says, in my economy, I own it all. I own it all. There's nothing that's too big for him, nothing that's too hard for him. It's up to us. Will we trust him? Will we step out on faith and stop making excuses and say, God, with the meanest that you've given me, I'm going I'm to use them, I'm going to maximize them, I'm going to risk it all for your glory. Amen? Amen. That, that's the, I put a smiley face. You can do it and you'll be glad you did. Church, you'll be glad you did. I don't want to fake. It's going to be costly. It's not easy to serve in the kids' ministry. It's not easy to serve in the youth ministry. It's not easy to serve in the college ministry. It's not easy to show up here on Friday nights and set chairs down and put a stage down. It's not easy to show up for vocal rehearsal. It's not easy to design something. For some, it might be. But either way, it's going to cost. But let it cost. Or you can just sit there and chill. And Jesus will ask you, why'd you do that? Last and final point. Verse 26. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But but from the one who has not, even what he has will be be taken away. Listen, if you want to just sit and chill and you want to be a comfortable Christian and never do anything with your life, uh, God will just use somebody else. You know what's worse? You know what's more costly than your comfort? What's more costly than your comfort 
is, is God using somebody else in place of what he wanted to do with you. Like we celebrate what God wants to do. You know, if God wants to bring revival to Las Vegas and use another church to do it, I'm going to celebrate it. <laughs> Come on, praise God. That's kingdom. Yeah. But if God wants to use another church because we were being lazy, I can't. I'm going to be like, yo, we're, we're, we're walk church. <laughs> Lace them up. Amen. Right. Take a step. Jesus expects, Jesus inspects, Jesus collects. My last point here, Jesus corrects. Amen, right? Jesus corrects those who oppose his kingdom. Those who say, nah, like, I'm not getting in, I'm not going to do nothing. Final verse, right? Look at the verse. We'll just put it back up here on the screen. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, ooh, Bring them here and slaughter them before, right? This, is a, this would be a reference toward, again, this is a parable. This is a story that Jesus is illustrating to talk about kingdom. He's saying one day Jesus will come and take over the kingdom. He will come back with the sword. He will not come back on a donkey. He'll come back on the stallion, and he'll come back ready for war. And for those who are on the opposite side, it's not going to be well. Jesus says, look, can we put the four words up on the screen? Can we put them up? 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 Come on, say these blue words with me as we close. Come on, worship team, help me close, please. I need help. Come on, say it with me. Jesus expects, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He does all four, and, and it's all for our good. Jesus doesn't do a single one of those things that's not for our good. He does it all for our good. Praise God he does that. Nowhere in the story does it say why Jesus gave them the minas. He just did it because he wanted to give them something. And he wanted them to use it and maximize it for his glory and their joy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Uh, God, I know I needed it. God, I don't want to waste my life. I want to maximize it. Rest is good, but... God, I, I want us to maximize the callings on every one of our lives. So, Lord, would you move in this place today? If there's somebody here that got a wake-up call or if somebody here today got saved and recognized that, Jesus, you paid for their sins, you rose from the grave, you desire a relationship with each one of us. Right now, I want to invite you to call on his name. Let's pray. If you, if you need to do that, just do it right now. Just say, Jesus, call on your name. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. I can't earn it, but I can receive it. You did it all. You paid it all. So I receive your blood, receive your death, receive your life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to use the meanness that you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God.